Ready for some word? If you have a Bible or a Bible app today, then go with me to uh, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. Revelation 1, Romans 8, and we'll get to those verses momentarily. I've been teaching a series called How to Walk with God. Today will be, I believe, the last part in this series. My hand is being forced <laughs> by Resurrection Day, and so uh, we'll, we'll finish these things. We won't have exhausted it, but we'll finish How to Walk with God. Let me remind you of two passages that are the kind of the foundation of the series. The first one is in Genesis chapter 5, and that's en about Enoch, where it reads, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. If Enoch did it, you can do it. 300 years and had sons and daughters, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. So not everybody was walking with God in his day, but Enoch did, and he did it for 300 years, and it got so good, God was so real to him, one day he was just out of here. He just stepped over, and uh, that's the, the way that God takes people is they don't die. Sometimes people say, so-and-so died or got in an accident or had a sickness, God took him. Nope, that's not God taking him. God, when God takes you, you don't die. Yeah. Now you might say God received them. That might be accurate, uh, but he's not, he's not killing people. Uh, and then Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 and verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken, he had this testimony uh, that he pleased God. All right, so we know Enoch walked with God. We, he pleased him, so we know from the next verse that he did this by faith. The only way we're going to walk with God is by faith. So this brings up an important um, subject that I believe will help us to put the lid on this for now, is that a walk with God is spiritual in nature. It's not fleshy. God is not a body. I don't know of any verses that say God is a body. And, uh, and so I'm not going to walk with God with my body. I don't have that type of relationship. It's spiritual life. And if I, I must think of God in this way so that I can connect. In other words, my walk with God is not fleshly or physically oriented. It's not about me trying to see him with my physical eyes or hear him with my physical ears. I can hear him and maybe even see him in a sense, but not physically. I don't mean that that couldn't happen. It certainly could happen. That's just not the standard practice or not what we should expect. Okay, how many know you don't have a verse promising you that you would see angels? Or that you would see the glory of God in a sense of like a cloud or something like that. We're not promised that we would have those physical experiences. I need to have a spiritual experience. Sometimes that can be so real and so dynamic that it almost seems physical and it can become that. But I'm not to seek the physical relationship with God. Is everybody with me on this? Yeah. All right. When you walk by faith, you don't walk by 
sight. So I'm not, it's not a physical experience that I'm seeking. Remember, Jesus said of the Father that God, is, in John chapter 4, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So if my focus, my goal, my attention, my, uh, my methodology is spiritual in origin, I'm going to have success. I'm wanting to make a spiritual connection with God. I know the natural mind thinks, well, how can you do that? How do you just like connect with someone spiritually? Because we're unaccustomed, unless we've given ourselves over to this practice, we're unaccustomed to spiritual intentionality. We, we know how to physically grab onto something. We know how to put our minds on something, but spiritually, often we're unaccustomed to that intentional uh, yielding and activity. Uh, I have the benefit or the responsibility to do this continually because of my calling. When I'm ministering now, when I'm praying for someone, I am intentionally um, reaching, looking, yielding to the Holy Spirit. I, am, I, do every, I do everything I can so when I stand up before you, I'm not just relying on what I know mentally. I prepare mentally. I prepare notes, and then I look deep within because I know if I can get something, if I can hear the Lord's voice while I'm talking to you and get that out, that's going to change your life. That's where the, the, the connection is going to be made. So it's this spiritual connection that we're looking for. We're, not, we're, we're going to stop trying to relate to God with our body. We're relating to Him spiritually. All right. Now, let me bring out this point about walking in the Spirit. Revelation chapter uh, 1, Revelation 1 and verse 10. You know, John, the apostle, wrote the book of Revelation. The reason he wrote this book was because of this experience. And, and he says in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And then we're not going to read the rest of the book because that would exhaust our time. Uh, but he wrote the book of Revelation based on this experience he had while in the Spirit. All right. Now think about how he says that. He's not describing a condition that existed 24-7. He says, on this particular day, I was in the Spirit. Now, you wouldn't say that if the day before or all or every day he had the same type of experience. This was unique. So he wasn't in the Spirit. Then he was in the Spirit. And when he was in the Spirit, he received spiritual insight, revelation, experience with God that, of course, he, he wrote down in this book. That doesn't mean it was the only time he was ever in the Spirit. But on this occasion, when he was in the Spirit, he heard amazing things. All right? Anybody interested in an experience like that? Yeah? Well, I can't guarantee that you'll have one like that, but we can put ourselves in position where we're set up for it. All right? Now, now Romans 8, did you find that as well? Romans 8 uses the same phrase, but in a different way. Romans 8 and verse 9 but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So here we see in the Spirit can mean something different. Is, is, is Paul writing here and explaining the same experience that John had? No. He's saying if you're saved, if you, have, if you know the Lord, you are in the Spirit. That is a starting point for all of us to relate to God, meaning acknowledgement of this reality. Everybody say it out loud. Say, I, I am in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Right. Can you say that even if you're, you're, you're really hungry <laughs> or tired or stressed or anything or any kind of physical or emotional condition, can you still say you're in the Spirit? Yeah, I mean, not experientially, maybe, in the sense of you're not feeling it. You're not having revelation, but you didn't lose your place in Christ. Amen. So that acknowledgement helps us, and it helps our mentality. I'm walking with God. He, God is a spirit. I am a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body, and I am in the spirit. So therefore, I can hear from God. Therefore, I can connect to my Father naturally, normally, and easily. Amen. All right? This is the mentality that gets us there. I can't give myself a Revelation 1.10 experience. Otherwise, I'd probably, you know, just put it on my schedule. <laughs> you know, every morning or maybe midday or in the evening, I just put in there, going in. Going to have great revelations from God. Now, I can, I can take steps of faith to be filled with the Spirit. I can do that myself. I can put my mind on spiritual things. I can do that myself. Those things avail to me the possibilities of God revealing amazing things. Again, I'm not controlling what he's doing for me. I'm acknowledging what he already has done and then exercising myself towards that. Okay, I'm a, I'm a spirit being. You are a spirit being. So do spiritual things. So I'm not that spiritual. Well, yes, you are. If you're saved, you're totally spiritual in this context the way we're saying it right now. Amen. Hallelujah. So when someone then is in the spirit, they naturally do things that are of God. They naturally give themselves th that way. I was listening to a, a person speak, testify a, a number of weeks ago when this uh, move of God was taking place in Kentucky at that, at that college, right? And they were having those 24-hour worship and prayer and so forth services, and it went on for a couple weeks or however long it did. And people were talking about it, commenting on it. The person I was listening to speak about it, they said they were present there at that same university when the same thing or similar thing happened in 1970. And, and so I was listening, paying attention to what they're having to say. And this person said about that time in 1970, they said one thing the college did not do was shut everything down. They didn't stop normal college events and activities. There were still sporting events and so forth. But he said at the... Uh, the basketball game, uh, when our team would score or do something good, when normally people would stand up and cheer, yay, you know, go team, whatever their 
you know, mascot is. And uh, he said during that period of great manifestation of God's presence, this team would score and everyone would stand up and say, Hallelujah! Glory to God! <laughs> no one was telling them to do it. They were just so conscious of God and His presence. That's just what they wanted to do. And I thought, that's so cool. <laughs> it's almost awkward like for a basketball game. <laughs> but it also shows you can be filled with the Spirit, conscious of God in the midst of doing natural things. And they did that and had that experience. But as, as you know, um, as much as we enjoy when God's Spirit just pours out on us, and he starts manifesting. He has here. He's doing it in other places. He's on the rise in greater ways than before. We're seeing more and more. I love it. And I love to see people overwhelmed like that. That wouldn't normally say, hallelujah. Say, hallelujah. Don't you like it? Yeah. I, <laughs> I love to see people moving around when normally they're stiff as a board. You know, it's like, what's going on with that person? It's got to be God. <laughs> right? Uh, but I'll, I also think this way. Because I can't control some of those knobs, you know, and open up the spigot whenever I want, I, I can't determine all that will happen. I need to make sure that I am not sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to move, but I personally will engage, will take a step of faith, I'll walk with God, I'll be filled with the Spirit, independent of some, uh, you know, some corporate move of God. You realize that's how an individual, that's how any given church can have a move of God all year round without there being a special move. Not denying special moves, but we can have this whenever we want. And if I'll have that mentality that God's move, the move of the Spirit of God, is somewhat con connected to me stepping out by faith and acting like I have what I already have, acting like He is who He says He is, and He will do what He promised me, right? If I will take that step of faith, I can experience God today, independent of something special happening. Amen. Yeah, that's the, that's the correct mentality. Again, will some people only respond when there's uh, an outside outpouring, yes, I'm just not going to let that be me. I'm going to do it without that. You know, they're, they're like the Sauls of the world. Saul of the Old Testament, King Saul, who rebelled against God, had a hard heart when he was going after David, his one who would eventually take his throne. And he was trying to kill him. And he would send his men after David. That one, you read about it in 1 Samuel 10, uh, about they would go in this place where the prophets were ministering to the Lord and prophesying how they'd go in there and the Spirit would get upon them and they'd start prophesying too. And he kept sending different people there until finally he went himself just to take care of business. You know, when you just got to get it done, you got to do it yourself. That kind of mentality. And uh, he went in there and because the Spirit of God was in manifestation, Saul starts prophesying. He goes in there thinking he's going to cuss some people out. Right? He's going to give it to them and be rough and harsh and mean. And he goes in there and says, thus saith the Lord. Right? Even when people were surprised by it. What? Saul's prophesying? Right? I think that's really cool. 
But it shows you what can happen in that atmosphere and getting around the right people. But again, I can have this without it being dependent on someone else. I can walk with God like Enoch did when no, no one else was, apparently, or not many people were. He was singled out. Enoch walked with God. I'm going to do that whether you do or not. How about we all take that mentality? And then the, then the Spirit of God moves in a corporate way. Ooh, we're already in the flow. It's like, yeah, this feels like my bedroom. Huh? Do you hear what's going on down there at the church? Man, the presence of God is so strong. Say, yeah, I live in that. Where do you live? What, what, do, you, what, what, what do you do? All right, now listen. Part of this spiritual life or a spiritual relationship and walk with God has to be understood as the absence of fleshly, um, flesh-motivated effort. All right. You might recall Jesus made this statement about his yoke and his burden. When he said this in Matthew 11 and verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, think about the mentality of Jesus and how he described this connection, this yoke, the yoke that would you know, connect the oxen together, he would say it's not burdensome, it's not heavy, it's easy, and it's light. That doesn't take away like there's something wrong with effort and trying hard at different things in life, but there should be a mentality that in our relationship and connection with God, there is some, there's some words that describe it. Are, are you ready? Easy and light. Easy and light. If I'm just striving, just trying to make a relationship with God, I'm just trying to hear God's voice. I'm just trying so hard and I'm all stressed out and I'm getting further away from him. I, I, I say, I'm working on my walk with God. Well, I might be working on my walk with me in the name of God. Because if I'm striving and stressing and, and, and just trying to make this happen, I'm not walking with the Lord, I'm walking with me. And this is how we can get back, we, we remember, easy. Rest. Lord, I'm not going to strive. I'm not going to struggle with this. You love me. I can't change that. You're with me. I can't change that either. I'm naturally connected to you. I'm your child. You're my father. This is who we are. You're spirit. I'm spirit. We walk together naturally. And sometimes that measured voice and that relaxed approach will tr help tremendously, especially when we're under pressure from others or from timelines or emotional anguish and all these things are coming at us and I gotta hear from God right now. You're in the worst place to hear from God. <laughs> it's like you may have to do that, but you need to make every effort to relax, to breathe out, and to acknowledge what already is. Listen to these verses. Zechariah 4, 6 reads, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now watch. Not by might or power. That's not talking about God's might. That's talking about our might. Human might or power. 
It's not by my efforts. This is not how this is going to work. This is not how I'm going to win, not how I'm going to hear from God, not how I'm going to walk with God. It's by His Spirit. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Man, that's worthy of meditation. What's your life about? I don't know. My life is nothing. It's just Jesus living in my body. <laughs> it's Christ living in me. I'm going to rest now and let him do it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul said, I'm working hard, kind of. I'm really working. Well, it's not really me. So it looked like effort. He was putting his hand to something. But when he stepped back, he said, that wasn't even me. That was just like God working through me. It was the grace of God that enabled me to do anything. And that position of faith is what puts you over the top. What's the, what's, what does your faith say? This is easy. This is normal. This is all God's grace propelling me, enabling me, strengthening me. The connection is already there. It's like I don't even have to try. And there God is. I mean, oh, who gets the glory when that happens? He does. I don't, get, I don't get the glory for my diligence or hard work. I say, I think I finally got out of the way. I think I finally rested enough inwardly to where I could see he's already here. This is the walk with God. It... Maybe it takes some people a while because no one else is doing this, but you could do this. You could do this if no one else in your house is doing it because you can go there, up here. And that's where, where a lot of this begins. We accept what is. It's like the harder we try, the more we fail. But the more we rest, the more we accept what is, the more we enter right into it. Years ago, I was watching Star Trek so I could understand the ways of the Lord. <laughs> I, re I remember one episode of The Next Generation when uh, the Enterprise was, you know, out somewhere in space, and uh, they had some kind of wave of energy or something that was coming at the ship and they, multiple waves would come after several minutes, and it would really shake the ship, and it was dangerous. So they would say, you know, shields up, and they put the shields up, you know, the energy shield, and then that wave would hit them stronger, and they'd say, and in so many minutes, uh, another one's coming. And so it, when that next wave was coming, they'd say, more power to the shields, put more power to the shields. And when they would do that, it would, it would hit them even stronger. And they did their calculations. They say, by this time, as these waves increase in strength, it'll rip the ship apart. And at the end, the last minute, you know, Captain Picard figured out, I think it was him, uh, that, uh, that they needed to do the opposite of what they were doing. And last minute, he says, lower the shields. The next, the next wave would have ripped the ship apart by their calculations. He says, lower the shields, and everyone thinks, you've lost your mind. We're all dead. They lowered the shields, and the wave just passed right on through them. And it was their 
increased power to try to stop that thing from hurting them that was hurting them the most. It was being magnified by their own energy shield, all right? I think there's some similarities there in how human effort gets in the way of God. Amy and I have these friends, and years ago, uh, they were a couple, they were trying to get pregnant, and unable to, for unknown reasons, month after month, year after year, she's not pregnant, and they wanted to have children. Finally, not knowing why or what's going on, they decided to adopt, so they adopted a little girl, and then got pregnant. <laughs> And had multiple other kids after that. <laughs> and uh, see, what's going on there? I, I don't know that I fully know the reason, but I know that's not just a crazy, unheard of experience. Other people have that. It seems like it's like the shield. A little bit like we stopped stressing out of it, out about it. We stopped trying, so to speak, not you know the physical part. I'm sure that still happened. Uh, but something happened where the pressure's off and I'm no longer trying to, you know, stressing out every time of the month to hit it right and get right in those, those few days, you know, where that can happen and all that. Did I say that in a yeah. funny way? I didn't mean that in a funny way. I might have to re-listen to this to see what I really said. Uh, anyway, they still did it. And, uh, but with the pressure off, something, I think, internally changed. Yeah, yeah. It's a rest. Yeah. Yeah. It's a no pressure. And all of a sudden, here comes the babies. I wonder if that works, and that totally happens in that realm with pregnancy. Wonder how many other things are being withheld from us in the same way. And I say withheld, not like God's withholding them, but we're blocking what should be easy. Answers to prayer and various healings and different things that God has already promised He'd do for us. And when we ask, but we're so in our head, we're so stressed out in the flesh, we're striving and trying to make it happen, and that very effort is keeping it away from us. So a lot of our efforts, you know where they need to go? Into, Lord, I thank you that you are. You love me. You're here. We're connected. I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to stop worrying about things. I'm going to stop stressing about them. Amen. Amen. Have you ever done something like that where you wanted something so much that you forced it? You pushed it? I've seen people do this with, that wanted to get married. And they so, want, they so wanted to get married, they so wanted to find someone to be with, that they pushed it. They pushed it too hard, too fast. Maybe it was through, you know, dating sites and that kind of stuff. And bless God, we're gonna, I'm going to meet someone. Bless God, I'm going to find someone. And, uh, and they did. And it wasn't the best situation. Why? They weren't in, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking to Christians really right now. They weren't in faith. They weren't trusting God. They weren't believing Him. I'm not saying someone can't meet through one of those sites. I'm just talking about pushing in the, in the flesh where I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen instead of letting the Lord bring someone to you. You can do that with so many areas. Have you ever had a car on the brain? 
You were looking at it. You were studying it. You were looking them up on the internet. You were, I mean, you went to bed thinking about that car. You woke up thinking about it. You saw them everywhere you turned. And they were expensive. They were nice. And so finally you're driving by the lot. You're going through at off hours, you know, when the salesman's not there. Getting out, looking at that thing, looking at the sticker. Oh, man, that's way too much. How many know you're going to end up getting that car? And nothing wrong with you having that car. The question is, did you, foot, did you push it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning, you don't really have the money for it. Um, you're probably not going to get any kind of deal on it. And it's going to cost you monthly for... I mean, no, you can stretch out the payments enough and you can afford anything. <laughs> yeah, and you'll enjoy it for a little while. Then it'll be a burden to you. Nothing wrong with getting, the, not getting that car you want. Are you doing it God's way? Is it come, does it come through faith? Does it come through trusting Him, making wise decisions, and resting, relaxing, being at peace, or pushing it? This is, so we've got to stop pushing things and start trusting in Him. Amen. Let me finish today with five keys to walking with God. Five keys to walking with God. All of these can be a series, so I'm going to go quick. Five keys to walking with God. Number one is our motive. Number one is our motive. What is our motive? If we want to do this, let it be, come from a desire for God. I desire Him. Not just I desire what He can do for me. My life's a mess. I need Him to fix it. That's okay. He, he's the fixer, Right? But I desire him, like Paul said, I said everything else aside from, for the knowledge of Christ. That's uh, preeminent in my life. Our motive is key. Secondly, our priority. If I'm going to walk with God, he needs to be priority. I cannot share that space, that place with anyone or anything else. God, if I'm, God cannot be an afterthought if I'm going to walk with Him. If you're really going to walk with God, I'm not talking about doing religious things. I'm not talking about God coming to your rescue in the last minute. I'm talking about walking with God. This is something that not everybody on the planet is interested in. But I am. I think many of you are. You want this. You want it to be so real. Then He can't be the last thought. He has to be the first thought. He's the reason we, we breathe, we live. Number three is communication. A key to walking with God is I need to talk to Him continually. As the scripture says, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Me, what does it mean? I'm praying 24-7? No, it just means there's never a time in my life when I stop praying. I'm not just praying when I go to prayer, I'm praying. I'm talking with the Lord. There's constant communication with Him. Sometimes it's inward. Sometimes it's vocalized. But communication is not a rare thing. Uh, it, you know, if you have a spouse or a friend and they, they ignore you and they don't talk to you, your relationship's not going very far. You've got to work on communication. That's true with the Father. Number four is responsiveness. This is a huge key. If I'm going to walk with God I must respond to him when he speaks, when he moves, when he acts. I've got to be movable by him. In other words, if he speaks and he moves and I'm just 
solid, you know, a stick in the mud, and I, no emotion, no expression, no response back to him, just kind of almost just proud. I'm not going to acknowledge anything that he's doing. You're not walking with him either, okay? Again, if you have a human relationship and, and no one responds to you, you know, or people talk to you and you just kind of ignore them, or a spouse, husband and wife ignore each other uh, when they speak, that's not going to go anywhere. I, I've got to, he moves. Now, now watch, I'm talking about even now. Sometimes your response is not outward. I get that. It's inward in a service like this during worship or while I'm teaching the word and something goes off inside of you. You recognize, well, that's from God. Well, that's the word. For, that's the word. That's the Lord talking to me. Say it to him. Say, Lord, that's you. I hear you. Are you talking to me? Interact with him. Lord, yes, yes, you. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to think this way. Or thank you for that. Be, be, being grateful, thankful, repeatedly. It's being responsive. It's, I did a series years ago called RSVP. Your response to God. A whole series on this one little point. All right. Responding to him is critical to walking with him. If I ignore him, if he sends me an invitation and I don't say whether I'm coming or not, I just kind of put it on the, in the pile. What's that pile? Those are all the things that God said to me <laughs> that I haven't responded to yet. Or his spirit moves and we just, come on now, humble yourself before, under the mighty hand of God. Respond to him quickly, quickly. Regularly, let yourself be moved by him. Number five, number five is practice. Keys to walking with God is practice. We practice so many things in life that we want to get good at. Amen. We practice, uh, you know, games and sports and skills for work, and we do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Some people with golf, how many know they practice their whole life and they're still not good? <laughs> but bless God, I hit one good shot, so I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to try to perfect this thing, right? And then with the Lord, well, I prayed. I didn't really hear anything or get anything or nothing really happened, so why don't you have it your life pursuit. Yeah. It's a lifetime quest because it's so desirable and worthy. Practice paying attention to his presence. How do I do that? A lot of times it goes to this. I stop and I listen. I, I said this in different service uh, in the beginning uh, of this series. Remember I said, I just kind of said it, you know, in the moment. I said, you ought to set your phone to to be in like an alarm every 30 minutes. And every time it goes off, you say, uh, uh, thank you, Lord, you're with me. Your presence is with me. And, uh, and uh, last, last week, a gentleman over here, told, he didn't hear that because he wasn't here at church yet. And he, and he said he had another experience years ago or something where he did it every 45 minutes. He set his phone to remind him to give thanks to God. He said, it changed my life. I thought, that's a pretty simple thing. And it changed his life. That's a strong statement. Changed my life. Amen. But practice paying attention to his presence. Stop. Lord, you are here. Hallelujah. You're with me right now. Maybe you've heard of that old monk years ago. 
Brother Lawrence, they called him, who talked about practicing God's presence. And uh, where he became just so aware of God that he would go to prayer. And he said, my prayer times were no different than my not prayer times. Because I'm just talking with God while I'm in prayer. Or I'm talking with God while I'm not in prayer. Meaning prayer was in like an official, uh, official meeting or something. Let, 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 me, let me finish with this. You guys are doing so well that you made me use up all my time. God will become more real with each step of obedience. Think about it this way. He speaks, we act, and then we repeat that process. Almost like wash, rinse, repeat. Right? He speaks, we respond, and then we repeat that. Now, to become spiritually dull, do the opposite. God speaks, you ignore, Repeat. Do that again. Do that next week. Do that next month. Do that next year. You'll become so spiritually dull, you'll question whether God is even real. And you'll have one person saying, God is amazing. He's changed my life. I just love Jesus. I love the Lord. Whoa, it's, my life is amazing. It's so wonderful. And another person is over here saying, I'm not even sure if this is real anymore. One person hears from God, they ignore and repeat. One person hears from God, they respond. And that voice gets a little bit louder. That voice gets a little louder. God becomes a little more real to them. Amen. This is how we can exercise, develop ourselves into this walk with God that is worth more than anything else we can talk about.